It's a beautiful day to be in the house of God. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It's time to look to the Word of God today. The title on the, for the message today is An Everlasting Seal. An Everlasting Seal. This pledge of covenant between God and each believer, each of us. I want to focus on that today. We'll be looking at the Song of Solomon in some of its passages and relating a few other scriptures as well. This beautiful relationship we have with the Lord. And we must de deepen and develop that relationship with the Lord. That our lives become more and more progressed in the ways of God, in a relationship with Him. A life that is proven in trust with the Lord. A life that is encouraged in steadfastness and honor and truth. We must grow in the Lord. I think we all understand that. We must deepen our relationship with the Lord until it's proven, until it's steadfast, until it's loyal over the years of time. I want to begin with Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verses 6 to 7. Song of Solomon is a prophetic story of Christ and his bride, or Jesus and the believer. On a corporate or collective basis, it's Christ and his church. But individually, it's the story of Jesus and every believer. And as we read through this story, at times we understand the great love of God toward us, the love of Christ toward us, and our response to him, how we are to respond to him. At the end of the book, in chapter 8, the final chapter, we read these words, Set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm, for love is strong as death, jealousy is cruel as the grave, the coals thereof are coals of fire, which hath a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. It's the language in that first phrase is his language. Set me as a seal on your heart. And she responds and says, set me as a seal on your hand. And there's the tokens of love, the symbols of love that are exchanged. It's like the exchanging of rings. But this is chapter 8 of the book. This is the end of the book. This isn't chapter 1. This isn't the engagement ring. This isn't the wedding band that was given in chapter 1, we would say, where there was courtship, first love, marriage, where the believer first comes into relationship with Christ. This is now after many years of walking with the Lord. And he says, set me as a seal on your heart. She says, set me as a seal on your hand. It's like a husband and wife who, through years of marriage, proven love, steadfastness, and fidelity. Decide to give one another a gift and exchange rings or maybe a pendant that he would give his wife after many years. This faithful, proven, loyal love. So deep now, so wonderfully joyous. So much memory and history in the walk with God, in the relationship of the family. In Song of Solomon chapter 8, for her, a pendant, a pendant hung on a necklace about her neck, over her heart, next to her heart. Set me as a seal upon your heart. For him, a ring, a precious stone, a signet ring. Set me upon your hand. 
set me upon your hand. This is the love, a sealed love over many years of relationship and walking together. The Lord and the believer. The Lord and the individual Christian. He says, for love is strong as death. Love is strong as death. This love is strong. This love cannot be broken, even as death cannot be broken. Death cannot be conquered. Death cannot be overcome. It doesn't matter if you live to 100 or 120. One day, you cannot conquer death. This love is strong as death. This love is, this jealousy is as cruel as the grave, or we should say as unyielding as the grave, this jealous love between God and the believer, between Christ and you. It's a jealous love. It's a love to be guarded. This love of God for you and your love for God. We love him because he first loved us. This is a jealous love. It tolerates no rivals. It's as unyielding as the grave. God is jealous, the Bible says. His name is jealous. He is jealous over us for the full devotion of our hearts. And we as well, as we deepen our relationship with the Lord, as we walk with God over the years, we have a jealous love for God. The Bible says the coals thereof are coals of fire, which has a flame of Yahweh, or which has Yahweh's flame. This love has a supernatural fire in it. Our love that our love devotion with the Lord is a love that is set on fire of him and the fire never goes out on the altar the Bible says. It's a supernatural fire, it's a supernatural love kindled in our hearts for the Lord. It's the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench this love. Many waters, bereavement, loss, hardship, circumstances of life Many waters cannot quench this love. And how many know that's true? You've walked with the Lord. Circumstances of life, difficulties, many waters cannot quench this love. They may try, but they can't quench it. It's too deep, it's too strong. Nor can floods of opposition destroy it, overcome it, overwhelm it. Floods cannot drown it. This precious love of God. As we grow in our relationship with the Lord, we begin to understand some things about the love of God, about the love of Christ for us, and how we are to handle that love, how we are to deal with that love. It's a deepening love. It's a deepening call of the Lord. And we are called to continue in the love of Christ. We are called to abide. We're called to progress in the love of Christ. In this union with him, this fellowship with him, this heart relationship with the Lord. A relationship proven over the years of time. In Revelation 2, there was a church, there were some believers at Ephesus. The Bible said they had left their first love. They had left their first love and the Lord came to instruct them and to command them. And he called them back to their first love. He said, repent, repent. Turn away from the way you're going. Turn away from what you're doing. You've left your first love. Repent and do the first works. What are the first works? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. This is the first and great commandment. Jesus said, some of you at Ephesus have 
left your first love. I'm calling you back. Repent. Turn from your ways, from your waywardness, and come back into fellowship and that true love with me. In John 15, 9 and 10, Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. Walk ever deeper into my love and into relationship with me. Continue in my love. Abide in my love. He said, if you, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, if you obey my word, if you keep my statutes, you will abide in my love. And if you don't, you won't. We must continue in the love of God. We must walk deeper into the love of God. We must go beyond courtship and marriage, walk with the Lord over years, and come to the point where we can say, set me as a seal on your arm. And yes, I will put you as a seal on my heart. We've got an everlasting seal. We're bound together forever, and we know it. The deepening love of God. It's like a young couple that... When they get married, they have to learn to abide in their love for one another. A love promised but at the wedding day, but it must be a love proven over time. And so a young couple begins to abide in their love one for another and learn how to walk out that love they have for one another, that relationship they have, ever-deepening walking through the experiences of life, the agonies and the ecstasies, the joys and the sorrows, the trials and the triumphs of life. And they come into a deep abiding relationship and they have an everlasting seal on their marriage and on their relationship. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 5:31, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. See, in the natural, a husband and wife learn to walk together, deepen their love, progress in their love, prove their love through the experiences of life. And my, what a settled joy, what memory, what beautiful history lingers in the heart of that husband and wife. They know they've got an everlasting seal. The Apostle Paul said, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church as it is in the natural. Illustrated there, so it is with the Lord that over the years of time we deepen our love, we walk in a greater faithfulness with the Lord and walk into a proven steadfastness and loyalty with our God. Set me as a seal upon your heart. Set me as a seal on your arm. Now, as we look at Song of Solomon, there were two times, two times in the Song of Solomon where this young believer felt separation from the Lord. These two times represent the two main temptations that come upon every believer. Two temptations, two temptations that diminished the felt presence of God upon her life. And she had to learn how to deal with that temptation. She had to learn how to overcome those two temptations and remedy her heart so that she would not feel separation from the Lord. Now the Lord 
does not change. His love is steadfast. If there's failure, it's on our part. If there's separation, if there's distance between the Lord and us and we feel a loss of his felt presence, the failure is on our side. And this young maiden, this Shulamite maiden, this young believer in Song of Solomon had to learn how to overcome, how to remedy, how to work through this temptation in her life so that she would never feel separation from the Lord again. But they would come into an everlasting seal. They would come into a bond of covenant. A bond of covenant. Both times when she lost his presence on her life, she had to rise up and pursue him. She had to rise up in the darkness because she didn't respond to him in the light. And now she had to pursue him. But she said, I will pursue him and I will not let him go. I'm going to overcome these temptations because I want unbroken communion with my Lord. I want joyous relationship. I want his life in me. The Bible says, my soul follows hard after you, O Lord. Psalm 63, my soul follows hard after you. I pursue you, Lord. Early in the morning will I rise up and seek you. And because you have been my strength, in the shadows of thy wing will I rejoice. In the shadow of, the, of thy wings I will rejoice. Now there are two reasons why she lost the felt presence of God on her life. Two reasons why she felt separation. And I'm going to come to those in a few moments, but there is a third in the Word of God. A third reason why sometimes we feel a lack of the presence of God. Now, you may not have room in your theology for what I'm about to say, but you might be wise to add it in. You might need it one day. The first reason, the first reason for a loss of the presence of the Lord is found in 2 Chronicles 32, 31, a withdrawing God, a withdrawing God to test our heart does God withdraw his presence at times? Does he pull back from us to test our heart? Well, here's an example in the Word of God, 2 Chronicles 32, 31. However, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, whom they sent to inquire about the wonder that was done in the land, God withdrew from King Hezekiah in order to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. Godly King Hezekiah. The Bible says the Lord withdrew from him. The Lord had done great wonders for this king. The land was filled with the blessing of God, with the treasures so abundant. And everybody knew that God had done wonders in the land because King Hezekiah was a godly king and he had served the Lord with all his heart. The wonders were in the land, the signs and wonders of God. And everybody knew it. But the Bible says that there was a point where the Lord withdrew his presence from King Hezekiah to test what, is in his, what was in his heart. And when the Lord withdrew his presence, when Hezekiah didn't feel the felt presence of God like he normally did or should, he cracked open the door to pride. He cracked open the door to pride. And when the ambassadors of Babylon came... He showed them all the treasures of the kingdom. 
He opened up the storehouses. He opened up the vaults. He showed them all the wonder that God had done in the land. Pride. There's not a believer that doesn't struggle with pride. To show who we are, to show what we are, to show the wonder that God has done in our lives. But here is a, an example of God withdrawing to test a man's heart. And when God tested his heart, Hezekiah spoke out of turn and Hezekiah acted out of turn. It's a good challenge for us. When we don't feel the presence of God like we should, do we speak out of turn? Do we act out of turn? Do we begin to entertain things we wouldn't normally entertain? I think sometimes God pulls his presence back a little bit to test our hearts. Beware the provoking of Satan. Beware the provoking of Satan. That grinding warfare of Satan against your life in a given area. King David came under the provoking of Satan. First Chronicles 21.1, the Bible says, And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Now 2 Samuel 24 verse 1 says, The Lord moved David to number Israel, to count his armies, how many people he had, how much strength he had in the natural. Put his trust in chariots and horses. 2 Samuel 24, it says, The Lord moved David to number Israel. You know why? Because the Lord saw pride creeping into Israel. And he saw pride creeping into David's heart. And he said, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to nip it in the bud. 1 Chronicles 21.1, Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. The provoking of Satan the attack of Satan in an area against David to try and bring defeat to him. Now, David was older now. David was older now. He was resting in the glow of glorious victories against insurmountable odds his whole life, beginning with the defeat of the Philistine champion, the giant Goliath. All his life, David had trusted in the Lord. And because of it, there is no record that David ever lost a battle. There's no record in Scripture that David ever lost a battle against his enemies. Such was his trust in the Lord. Such was his humility. Such was his heart of worship. But now, there was a test. And David wasn't as close to the presence of God as he should have been. And he was a little self-assured. He was a little too confident in the natural strength. The enemy said to him, number the people, size up your army, count your men and count your money. David was a skillful warrior. You know that at first provocation, he would have said, get thee behind me, Satan, and brought that thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. But Satan kept coming. Satan kept coming. Number the people. Subtle thoughts, subtle emotions, subtle feelings. 
Start putting your trust in the natural. Put your trust in your armies instead of the living God. And finally, we don't know how long the provoking took, but we've all endured it in areas of our life, the provoking. And finally, David went to his captain, Joab, and said, Joab, I want you to go out throughout the whole land, and I want you to count the people, and I want you to number the army. And Joab recoiled. He said, my, my lord, King David, he discerned it. He said, my, my lord, King David, why, why do you light in, delight in such a thing? But the king's word prevailed against Joab. And Joab went out and numbered the army. And 70,000 men of Israel fell under the judgments of God. There are times that we are more vulnerable than other times. And when we don't feel the presence of God like we should, we must walk very carefully before the Lord to obey his commandments and do what is right in his sight. Isaiah the prophet in chapter 50 and verse 10 said, Who is he that fears the Lord and obeys his word and walks in darkness and has no light? Say, well, that's quite a contradiction. The person that fears the Lord, worships the Lord, and obeys his word, and yet that person is feeling darkness, walking in darkness, and has no light. Yes, that experience can come upon us. And Isaiah quickly gives the answer. He says, let that person trust in the name of his God and rely on the Lord. Let that person trust in the name of his God and rely on the Lord. Times when the presence of God isn't as strong on our life, and we must walk very carefully because Satan would provoke and try and bring us down. How about a killing God? As Job experienced, Job 13, 15, Job says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Job was going through circumstances that if God didn't touch him and God didn't take care of him, he would lose his life. His life would fall to the earth. No, Job wasn't a novice. He felt abandoned by God, yet he knew that the Lord would never leave him nor forsake him. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. The love of our God for us. The love of our God. We hear him speaking to us. Jesus says to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you, not until the end of the world. He said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. He said, I love you with an everlasting love. And now we must learn to walk and abide in that love and continue in that love and deepen that love in our life and let nothing turn us away from the presence of the Lord, from a relationship with God there are reasons why we lose the felt presence of God or feel separation. And the first, as I've just taught, is a withdrawing God to test our hearts. You may be here this morning and the presence of God isn't as strong on your life as it once was. Maybe there's a temptation right now. Maybe there's a withdrawing of the presence of God to test your heart to see if you will walk in the ways of the Lord or will, will not. And this morning... 
Those who fear the Lord and obey his word, even when we walk in darkness and have no light, let us trust in the name of the Lord and rely on our God. Let's keep our steadfast love toward the Lord, walk in loyalty, walk in strength. Now the second reason for a loss of the felt presence of God, Song of Solomon chapter 3, in this young bride, this young believer, it was the reason was inattentiveness, worldliness, and carelessness. The first temptation in this young believer's life, the temptation to inattentiveness, worldliness, and carelessness. And it's something she had to learn to overcome. Song of Solomon 3, 1 to 4, By night on my bed I sought him whom my soul loveth, I sought him, but I found him not. I will rise now and go about the city and the streets and in the broad ways I will seek him who my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. The watchmen that go about the city found me to whom I said, Saw ye him whom my soul loveth? It was but a little that I passed from them, but I found him whom my soul loveth. I held him and would not let him go. I held him and would not let him go. This young believer was tempted by inattentiveness, by worldliness, by carelessness. In chapter 1, they'd come into new creation life. She'd been born again, we'd say, and married to the Lord. And in chapter 2, he is calling to her. He says, rise up, my love, my fair one, come away. He said, let's dance together. Let's, let's run together. Let's enjoy our romance. Let's enjoy our relationship together. He said, he calls her his dove, her, his spirit-filled believer. He says, the Holy Spirit is upon you and in you. He said, oh, my dove, that art in the clefts of the rock. You're hidden in the rock, Christ. You're in the secret places of the stairs. You found the secret place of the presence of God where you commune with God. He says, let me see thy countenance. Let me hear your voice. He says, your countenance is lovely and your voice is sweet. He says, arise, my love, my fair one, and come away with me. But then he cautioned her because... It's only chapter 2 of the book and not chapter 8. And he knew her better at that point than she knew herself. He cautioned her. He said, catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Catch us the foxes, the things that would trample down the vines, the fruitfulness, the joy of the vineyard, our relationship together. Catch the foxes, the little foxes. You know what she did? She pushed him away. She turned him away. She didn't want time with him right then. She would want him when she wanted him, she reasoned, and he would always be there for her, wouldn't he? But she lost his presence. She lost his presence. And she had to go out in the dark and find him and pursue him because of inattentiveness, because of worldliness, because of carelessness. It's not usually the big sins that trip up most believers. Now, some are tripped up by big sins, but not many. Most of us face the little foxes, 
inattentiveness, little indulgences of the flesh, unguarded words, disobedience to the still, small voice of the Lord, worldly entertainments, indiscretions. These are the things that spoil the vines. And because of it, this believer felt separated from the Lord. She said to him, turn, turn. Go upon the mountains of separation. Go by yourself on the mountains of separation. Beth, I'll, I'll call you when I, when I have time for you. And he went alone on the mountains. But she ended up in the dark. She came to her senses. She realized the mistake she'd made. And she determined in her heart, I will never make this mistake again. I will never allow inattentiveness. I will never allow worldliness. I will never allow carelessness to cloud my relationship with the Lord again. She went out in the night. The Bible says that the watchmen that go about the city found her. The watchmen are the preachers, the ministers of the Lord. They helped her. They helped her. They helped her. And she found the one she loved. And she says, I will never let him go again. She overcame the first main temptation in the life of a believer. The second temptation, the second reason she lost relationship with the Lord, the felt presence of God, was because of sluggishness slothfulness and neglect of spiritual duty sluggishness slothfulness neglect of spiritual duty song of solomon 5 2 to verse 8 again thank god there are only two two times in the book she had to overcome and from then on she went into deep loving covenant union with the lord Song of Solomon 5, 2-8, I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved, the Lord, that knocketh, saying, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled. For my head is filled with dew, and my locks with the drops of the night. She said, I have put off my coat, my robe, how shall I put it on? I have washed my feet, how shall I defile them? My beloved put in his hand by the hole of the door, and my bowels, my inward being was moved. My heart yearned for him. I rose up to open to my beloved, and my hands dropped with myrrh, and my fingers with sweet-smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. My soul failed when he spake my soul failed there's the failure it's on my part said i i sought him but i could not find him i called him but he gave me no answer the watchmen that went about the city found me they smote me they wounded me the keepers of the walls took away my veil from me i charge you O daughters of jerusalem if you find my beloved that you tell him that i am lovesick that i am sick of love for him 
The second temptation in this believer's life, sluggishness, slothfulness, neglect of spiritual duty. This is a temptation we have to overcome if we want to walk into a deepening relationship with the Lord. Set me as a seal on your heart. Set me as a seal on your arm. I put off my coat. Why? Why? I can't put it on again. I've washed my feet. How, how shall I defile them? I don't want to get out of bed. I'm, I'm, I'm too tired. I'm too tired to pray. I'm, I'm too tired to read the Bible. I'm, I'm too tired to go to church. I'm too tired. He'll understand. But I guess he didn't. But I guess he didn't. She lost his presence. She lost that powerful, felt presence of God. She experienced separation from the presence of the Lord. These thoughts came into my mind early this morning. Six or seven years ago, there was a younger man in this congregation, and I'm using this particular illustration, but it could be said of dozens of people over the years now, so no one would be able to identify this. But I noticed he had been so fervent, he and his wife, and all of a sudden, they weren't coming to the house of God. He wasn't attending, drop in every once in a while. Sometimes I wouldn't see him for a month, but one morning he was there early in the prayer room. He was very personable to me, likable. He said to me that morning, I said, man, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so glad to see you, so glad to see you. He said, well, you know, to tell you the truth, he said, I'm here this morning, but he said, you know, I, the, the Holy Spirit told me that Sunday mornings, because I work so hard all week, the Holy Spirit said, listen, just take your rest Sunday mornings. Just stay in bed, relax, enjoy the day. The Holy Spirit will never violate the word of God, the ordinances of the Lord. But I held my peace because we had to rush out into the service, and I knew I wouldn't be received. This young man, his wife, I didn't see them for a long time. My heart lamented. I, every time I thought of them, I prayed for them. The months went by, a year or two went by, their marriage failed. A young couple that were once in the front rows of the church, hands up in worship, radiant faces in the presence of God. God had done such a work of deliverance to root them out, pull them out of darkness, and bring them into his presence. They had the potential to be pillar people in the house of God and carry the torch of the fire of God in their generation and in the generation to come. And now they're so far back in the ranks. Slothfulness, sluggishness, neglect of spiritual duty, the house of God. The apostle Paul said, remember the ordinances. Keep the ordinances, 1 Corinthians 11, 2. Keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. Keep the traditions as I delivered them to you. What are the ordinances? 
Well, we have the sacraments, water baptism, and communion service. But what are the ordinances? What are the traditions? These are the religious duties. These are the spiritual requirements of the people of God. Early morning prayer, Bible reading, personal devotions, church attendance, financial generosity, prayer and fasting, corporate prayer services of the house of God, instruction of the word under the apostolic doctrine of the word of God, the teaching of the word of God in the house. These are the ordinances of the Lord. And by these ordinances, we stay in close fellowship with Jesus Christ. These are, these are the avenues of supply that bring us close to the presence of God and keep us abiding in the love of Christ and continuing in the love of Christ. It's dangerous to disregard the ordinances of the Lord. I believe the Lord is testing and trying the hearts of the church today across the earth. In this time, testing the hearts of the church concerning the ordinances of the Lord, concerning the attendance, concerning the loyalty to the things of God, to the word, to the scriptures. I was reflecting with my family last evening. It's harvest time in the land. September, October, and I thought of my childhood not too far from this city on the farm. My grandpa had a farm, my dad had a farm, and my uncle, my dad's brother, had a farm, and they harvested together. There were many things they had separate, but they harvested together. When it came to harvest time, and it came to Sundays, the machinery on our farm was quiet. Tractors weren't up. Combines weren't going. Most beautiful, perfect day for harvesting. While the weather forecast, Monday was for rain and didn't look good into the future. Are we going to get the crops off? But Sunday was the Lord's Day. And our families were in the house of God. The Lord blessed our families. We never missed a meal. We never suffered. Thought about the recent years, how much trouble the farmers are having. Getting the crop in and getting the crop out. Is it a weather problem or is it a spiritual problem? Remember the Sabbath. Old Testament, Saturday, the rest day. Sunday, the Lord's day. In the New Testament, Sunday, the Lord's day. Remember the Lord's day. John the Beloved on the Isle of Patmos, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I was sure I was prepared for the Lord's day, that I was glad to go into the house of the Lord, and my spirit was already on fire, and my prayers were already pouring forth, and my love of God for God was already evident in my heart. I couldn't wait to get into the house of the Lord. I couldn't wait to get under the power of the Word and the fellowship, communion of the saints. Remember the ordinances. Remember the ordinances. When I was 15 years of age, seems like a long time ago, I just turned 67 last month. When I was 15 years of age, this province respected the Lord's Day Act, and there were no commercial trucks on the highway except at the risk of a fine. 
The malls weren't open. The businesses weren't open. The theaters weren't open. Only essential food services for the people. But back then, I was old enough to hear what was going on and the pressure that was coming against those gates. And once the pressure came by this culture and this society against those gates, the gates went down quickly. And the Lord's day has been desecrated. And the Lord's day act has been disregarded. And a land has forsaken God. And you wonder why it's stumbling under its sin and transgression. Remember the ordinances. Fathers and mothers, remember the ordinances. I am thankful for my grandparents and my parents because they held us to the ordinances of the Lord and they did not deviate. You know what happens if you disregard the ordinances of the Lord? You end up in a rather platonic relationship with the Lord. He comes around now and then to attend to things, but you don't have spiritual intimacy. And the next generation might be sterile altogether. Remember the ordinances of the Lord as I delivered them to you. Now this believer in Song of Solomon chapter 5, as she's deepening in her relationship with the Lord, she's, she's got to overcome these temptations. She's got to overcome sluggishness and slothfulness here and neglect of duty. And on her bed... She realized the mistake she made. She came to her senses. She said, I will arise. I want the dew of heaven. I want the sweet-smelling myrrh of my Lord. Nothing more important to me than my relationship with God. The Bible says she rose up in the night and she began to pursue. First, she could not find him. He'd, he'd withdrawn himself. He was teaching her. He was teaching her a lesson. He was helping her overcome this temptation in her life by withdrawing from her. And she began to pursue him. She ran about the streets. Have you seen my beloved? Tell me, has anyone seen my Lord? Has anyone seen my Lord? And she said, the watchmen found me and they smote me and they, they wounded me. The preachers, the ministers of the gospel, smote her. They corrected her. There was some discipline that came upon her life. The sting of truth came upon her heart. Bible says all, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the believer might be fully equipped, fully furnished in their walk with the Lord. The Apostle Paul said to the young ministers in 2 Timothy 4, preach the word when it's favorable and not favorable. Convince, rebuke, reprove, instruct with all long-suffering in the doctrines of the Lord. Because you're not only going to save yourself, you're going to save those who hear you. She went about the streets. She found the Lord. It wasn't long that she passed from the watchman She'd hardly, hardly got away from the sermon. And she found the one that she loved. And she held him and she would not let him go. And from then on through the book, Song of Solomon, she never lost her relationship with the Lord again. 
She deepened that relationship. She held that relationship. She would not let him go. She never again let the little foxes, she never let again let sluggishness with the ordinances and the duties of the Lord interfere with her relationship with God. And she walked on in unbroken communion for the rest of her life. Let's have the worship team come. Song of Solomon 8, verses 6 to 7. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave, or unyielding as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which has a most vehement flame. Let's renew our relationship with the Lord today. Renew our love relationship. How about some vows of covenant? Tell the Lord how much you love him. You'll hear him whisper his promises of love to you. Continue in his love. Learn how to walk in that love. Learn how to progress in the love of God until it's proven, faithful, loyal. The years of time in the grace of God in the power of a relationship with the Lord. This morning, set me as a seal upon your arm. Set me as a seal upon your arm. Become as a seal upon, let him be a seal upon your heart. Let's stand together in the presence of the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. My, the precious love of Jesus for all of us. Loved you with an everlasting love. We love him because he first loved us. Let's learn how to walk with him. Let's learn how to deepen that love. Like a husband and wife that grow ever closer as the years go by and the fond memory of victories won. Wonders of God blessings of God in their life and their family so it should be with us and the Lord if there's anything this morning that's separating you in your heart from the Lord or you don't feel his felt presence like you know you should lift up your hands and call out to him say I will rise now and I will go about the streets I didn't seek him in the light and I'm in the dark but I'm gonna rise from where I am and I'm gonna seek the Lord with all my heart and I will pursue until I find him and when I find him I I will not let go. I will never again fall back to a lesser relationship with my living Lord, my Savior, my God. Hallelujah. Listen, the altars are open this morning. If you feel you want to come and stand at the altar, the presence of the Lord, renew your heart with God from any provoking of Satan, from any little foxes, from any inattentiveness. Come and yield your life to the Lord. Let's lift our hearts in worship this morning as the worship ministry leads us. Oh, be like you. Like you will I just know. Jesus, there's no side. Forever hope in my heart. Oh, to be like you, I give all I have just know. Jesus, there's no more side. 
Bible says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Listen, let's take a few more minutes. Let's follow hard after the Lord this morning. Pour out your devotion. Tell him how much you love him. Tell him you want your relationship to deepen. Deepen. You want him as a seal on your heart and you want to be a seal on his arm. You never want to be broken away from him again. You want to walk on in ever coming, overcoming power. You want to triumph over every temptation. You want to serve the Lord with all your heart. Let your vows be upon you this morning. Let the call of God be upon your heart. Let the coals of fire begin to burn this morning. For the coals of this love are coals of fire, even kindled by the very flame of Yahweh himself. This is God's fire in his people. This undying love, this jealous love, Love, to be one with the Lord, to commune with Him, to fellowship with Him, to love Him day and night. Oh, my soul, search for the one whom your soul loves this morning. Jesus. Oh,